Welcome to Security Nation, an ESA podcast that brings you the voice of electronic security and life safety. We bring on security pros to discuss the latest industry happenings, new technology, and best practices, telling your story to become the ever-present voice in an ever-changing industry. I'd like to introduce uh, this episode's guest. We have Pierre Trafanese, the CEO of Northland Controls. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, Pierre. Hello, Hannah. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, you should like to start off by having our guests uh, kind of tell their story and how they became involved in the industry in the first place. Sure. And so um, I became uh, involved right out of college is I joined uh, what was a, essentially a renegade branch of JCI. Johnson Controls uh, out of Milwaukee, but I was in San Francisco and the branch manager had sold a system to the U.S. Air Force in Saudi Arabia and uh, it was a $40 million project in which we were integrating 13 different systems and writing software for the hardware. And that was my first exposure to electronic security and uh, safety. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, so I know that you are uh, newer members of the Electronic Security Association. And I actually uh, interviewed, uh, I think, someone from your marketing team um, to kind of learn a little bit more about Northland Controls. And uh, one thing that I was able to discover along the way is that you have something that you refer to as the Northland Way, and you're a company that really sticks to your core values. Uh, would you be able to kind of go into what those core values are and what the Northland Way is? Sure. Um, so the it's essentially uh, I was somewhat of a failed entrepreneur for 12 years and finally essentially didn't start Northland, but I took it over from someone. And my gotcha. whole idea is I just wanted to run the business the way I would like to sort of live my life. Uh, you know, we spent a huge portion of our waking hours at work and wanted to work with people I enjoyed working with, customers, uh, employees, suppliers. And so the Northland Way has a lot to do with our core values. And, and the first one is to be honorable. And, uh, and we can run the entire company with that. And that just means to do the right thing no matter what. And to do the right thing even when nobody is watching. Uh, and we, in the past, have been extending that to doing the right thing even when it hurts. Even when yeah. it hurts us from time, effort, or money. <clears throat> and still stick to that. Um, but uh, to enhance it, uh, as I mentioned, uh, life is short. We spend a lot of our lives at work is to take on challenges and it's to do the hard things, the things that we are uncomfortable doing with, uh, maybe me as an individual, uh, maybe pushing our customers or our vendors to do something that's different, difficult. Uh, and whatever that challenge is, is we will make a promise once we take it on. To, and essentially we will say it takes this much time, effort and money to get something done. And once we agree to that is we will we'll take it on and, and we will back that up with whatever it takes. So once we make a promise, we will deliver on that promise, whatever it takes, within being honorable. Yes. Which is, <laughs> you know, and we tie it all together because sometimes a someone will come back and says, well, you do whatever it takes. Is a yes, but that's not exactly the right way of doing this. Um, and that's helped sort of reinforce our values, which uh, then goes to our people. Uh, and our people, at first I thought it was um, pretty obvious that our people, everybody says our people is a value, uh, which kind of demeans the whole sort of that value. But we've included our customers and vendors and suppliers in the meaning of that. Uh, and so we treat our people well, whether you're a customer, whether you're a vendor, uh, we're all people, we're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. And we have to be aligned because when we take on something that's difficult, 
our, our customers and our suppliers have to be working with us and delivering on that promise. Uh, and so we're all part of the same team. And that leads to sort of our last one is to try to have fun is by getting really good at what we do, becoming craftsmen at what we do, we get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And out of that satisfaction, we enjoy what we do. We have fun at what we do. Uh, so when we say have fun, it's not like we're having parties and back slapping and doing other things. It's we're just getting great satisfaction of our, of our work and basically spend a great portion of our lives at work. No, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I you know, kind of ties into that have fun piece, um, as I was interviewing, you know, the member from your team, one thing that she mentioned was the Northland challenge. Um, I would like to hear in your words, like, could you kind of tell our uh, listeners like what the Northland challenge is? Because I thought that was something that was really unique. It, 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 yes. Uh, so the Northland challenge is one of the uh, Northland got a reputation from the very beginning on doing projects anywhere in the world. So since then, we've done work in 80, 90 countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's challenging. Uh, well, what's uh, difficult is we as either Americans or Brits or Singaporeans or wherever we are working from is when we're working in a different culture in a different environment. And how do we cross that chasm? Uh, and so the Northern challenge was first done in India where we rented, uh, I believe, seven tuk-tuks, and we had seven teams of two, and uh, tuk-tuk is an auto rickshaw, and we drove those across southern India, over some, you know, from Kochi to, to Chennai, uh, and it's just wild. Uh, no yeah. GPS, uh, you know, we don't even have maps, we just had the name of the next destination, and we've since done that in the Caucasus, in East Africa, even the Southwest US, which I thought would have been boring, and it wasn't. It was one of the best challenges. And what it does is puts us in environments in which we're uncomfortable. And, and by forcing us to not rely on technology, but to actually work with and talk to people along the way and with each other, is we kind of break out of our discomfort. And after a Northland challenge, we feel much more comfortable doing things that we would normally shy away from. And it expands our horizons, and, and it's a kind of emblematic of what we want to do within uh, the take on challenges on a day-to-day basis, not just on an orphan challenge, is that as we do things that are uncomfortable over time, we get better at it, we become more comfortable at it, and it expands our capabilities. Um, and that could apply to technology, it could apply to me being an introvert, you know, doing things that are extroverted, it could apply to all kinds of aspects of our lives. And the Northland Challenge has been great. Um, yeah. No, I know. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's kind of like the amazing race that you're doing over there, really. <laughs> and that's how it's been described. The backup support. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how would you say, would you say that the Northland challenge, I, that's like kind of a, a part of your brand. Like when I go to your website, Northland controls, the first thing you see is uh, two people hiking a mountain peak. Um, not security cameras. So do you think like that the idea of like summiting a peak and, and facing these challenges uh, is like a huge part of your brand? It is. Yeah, the Northland Challenge, the Take On Challenges is mostly our brand and, and to be honorable is the other one is um, it, and uh, it took a long time to uncover what our purpose was. Is, right. You know, uh, is our purpose to provide safety and security. And uh, after about 10 years, we what drives us and is to unlock prosperity for all the people we touch. Mm. And when we 
talk about prosperity is about our potential. It doesn't mean about wealth and gadgets. It's uh, but what I want to do as Northland is to enable our customers to their suppliers to prosper, as well as our individual employees to prosper. And so the Northland challenge creates an environment in which we are almost, uh, I don't want to say forced to prosper, uh, but we are pushed to reach our potential. Right. No, that makes sense. And and do you think that that, uh, that was something that you really had to do with some intentionality, kind of focusing on that prosperity and facing that challenge, facing doing those hard things versus, um, I mean, you are like a security, a physical security company. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was something that was really unique when I looked at y'all's brand compared to others is I don't really see a lot of things that point to, uh, you know, security and technology. It, it seems like you're selling a lot more at like that lifestyle. Um, was that something that was kind of a challenge and was there a lot of intentionality behind that? Uh, you frame it in an interesting way with intentionality. Um, now, yes, uh, we do do that with intentionality and there's reasons for that. When we were first getting started, we we're 10, 15, 25 people. Right. And we didn't. That's just who we were. Uh, and being uh, at that stage, we just communicate uh, organically with each other mm -hmm. uh, and with our customers. Um, and so the take on challenge is something that resonated with our customers. And uh, we used to get the comments in our first five, maybe even 10 years is we went to your website and we have no idea what you do. Right. Uh, and, and so our comment was, well, you have to know us in order to know what we do. It's kind of a secret. Right. Uh, but, but it's not. Uh, so you have to be a, a in the know. Um, and now we do it with intentionality as we've grown through what business or no man's land, 150, 250 employees, once we've gone through that, is we need to do it with much more intentionality in order to sort of diffuse or push that through the culture um, that, that take on challenges. And, and our website is intended to reflect sort of reaching for greater goals, mm -hmm. reaching for greater uh, potential. Uh, you know, we've never driven the business by how many cameras and readers we install. It's about how do we support our customers to achieve their goals? Yeah, kind of like an aspirational, uh, an upward glance kind of feeling. Yep. That makes yep. sense. So do you see uh, like selling security as maybe translating into a form of freedom or um, like for the end user, the consumer? No, no, absolutely. It's uh, to create an environment in which they can do their work. Uh, and so we see it as an enabler of their work. Um, and freedom would be one way. So you're free to do uh, uh, your work here. Uh, different people need different things. Uh, some people need security and safety. Other people need um, sort of the lack of all that so they can, they're much more risk uh, tolerant. And what we do is try to work with our customers and their culture to provide them the environment they need for their people to thrive. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I see a lot of, uh, I don't know, like parallels to I don't know, other concepts that we see in real life, like the idea of, um, well, I don't know, like once you face your fear, kind of like immersion therapy, it becomes less scary. So like kind of facing that challenge actually makes you stronger or, you know, the idea or concept of exercise, um, it, it, you know, even though you're weak, that, that 
the action of pushing yourself physically eventually makes you in turn stronger. And I kind of see that a little bit in the idea of, um, you know, security. I think we've often seen, uh, you know, security safety is almost a, uh, a polar opposite of being able to be free and libertarian uh, because I don't know, they're kind of, they're kind of pulling, pushing and pulling, like the more freedom you are, the more risk averse you are potentially. Um, whereas I see in this brand, maybe this is just how my weird brain works. I kind of see you taking those other things where they're opposites that actually grow in one direction. I feel like you're kind of doing that with security as well. Does that kind of make sense? I don't know if I'm wording that very well. But like the more secure and safe you are, you're actually creating more freedom. Um, whereas just ignoring it doesn't actually give yeah. you more freedom. Uh, <laughs> yes, in both. And, and so sometimes the more safe and secure you are, the more risk averse you become, become. you become comfortable in your cocoon. And so we intentionally try to break out of the cocoon so you can sort of flourish. I'm not, not going to pursue that uh, uh, anymore. But uh, but the flip side of that, if you don't have safety and security and you're uh, very risk tolerant or very risk taking, you can get hurt. Exactly. Right. Uh, right. And, and so part of it is we try to provide an environment in which you can do either. Yep. And so we don't want to lock you down and make you so safe that, that you become fearful of, of the world outside. We want to provide just what you need in order to enable you to sort of pursue your goals. Do the things that you uh, actually want to spend with your yeah. time and energy. Yeah. Now, I think you put it a lot better than me. I started getting lost in my own thought circle there. So thanks for sure. giving me the North Pole there. Well, if it helps any, uh, we were trying to explain Northland in the first five years. There's a Seinfeld uh, episode with George Costanza, where oh, George really? Costanza does the opposite. So we don't do PowerPoint presentations. We don't do a lot, but we would run a video of George Costanza explaining the opposite and then we would start the conversation because that's how northland was running its businesses by whatever we learned was the right way of doing things we did the exact opposite of it. did the opposite of it that's hilarious <laughs> so you kind of mentioned like how sometimes that that fear of being secure enough can get you stuck um mm -hmm. how do you how does northland find a way to kind of self-security and self-safety without really pushing that fear component? The fear component rarely comes up. Sometimes there might have been an incident that might have triggered the conversation, but we almost never talk about the fear aspect. As we talk about uh, culture and community and what certain organizations are trying to accomplish with the security system, we often will talk customers out of something. Mm. They saw something that's, you know, flashy, glitzy, cutting edge, uh, but they don't have the foundation, the infrastructure and the systems to support it. Uh, and so we'll even talk them out of things uh, that won't fit what they're trying to do or they're not ready for. Uh, but it's usually what, what are we protecting? Uh, you know, we're protecting people, we're protecting assets, intellectual property. Um, and how do we do that in the least obtrusive way possible? Uh, no, that's great. In some environments, the customer actually wants it to be very apparent because that's what they're trying to create. In other environments, is they, they don't want that. So it's it's essentially customer by customer. Yeah, it really depends. No. Um, so how, how does Northland uh, view and measure success? I mean, obviously, you're a company, so I'm sure there's just general basic metrics that show you how you're doing. But 
Um, as a culture, how do you think Northland views these things? Uh, it's a hard one. It, success sort of found us uh, in, in the early days is that we've grown by however we went from 15 people to 300 by 20 times essentially without sales and only in the last five years that we started building up a marketing department and sales in order to educate the market on what's next to uh, explain what it is that we're trying to do what's going on in the market uh, to drive the next generation of sales as we go from 300 people to 600 um, and so our success was the fact that our customers were referring us to other people and driving business in our direction so that was success um, the other part of success is our employees and whether our employees are happy working at Northland. Um, and, you know, in, in transparency is any organization goes through stages and inflection points. And we've had some rough patches uh, where our customers were unhappy, our employees were not happy. And one of the things a couple of years after these inflection points, I had a customer, a very large customer, mentioned how impressed they were at our response to the difficult situation mm -hmm. and we're now in a place right now it's uh you know it's we're coming out of the latest inflection point you know we had a business inflection point a pandemic and now there's all sorts of things going on in the economy and we're well positioned to get through that and that success to be able to handle adversity and get through adversity is for me a great form of success well that's fantastic uh kind of the next question is uh we like to be able to create opportunities for you know our guests to maybe share advice or cautionary tales for the rest of our listeners um is there any advice that you give to other colleagues in the industry uh or maybe you know maybe mistakes that you made along the way that you could share as a cautionary tale uh would you advise uh going about things backwards and opposites like you said northam does uh, or <laughs> what would you have uh, to say yeah it's interesting uh actually there's a lot of things to say about lots of mistakes and lots of advice so uh uh, I will start with advice, although I shouldn't give advice. It's uh, one of the things uh, I've done with Northland, and I've seen a few other integrators, we're an integrator uh, in the marketplace, is try to create a very long-term vision, the 15, 25-year vision, to permit independence. And the greater independence we have, the more freedom we have to actually live a life of honor and do the right thing uh, and, and not have to look at the shorter term and how do I uh, maximize term. And so that's the bit of advice. It's allowed us greater freedom because a lot of other people ask us is how do we do what we do and why do we do what we do? Because uh, we're seeing a lot of churn and change of ownership and a lot of it, I think, mm -hmm. very disruptive to customers. Is very disruptive to uh, suppliers and to employees, where we try to create some stability and consistency as well as be innovative. Uh, lessons learned. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of them. <laughs> uh, so some of the lessons learned is as a as a small integrator, one of the things is we would take on um, larger projects. We're punching above our weight. We would uh, take on a larger project. Let's say we, you know, we were used to doing fifty thousand, hundred thousand. We take on a two hundred thousand dollar project, and it would be a total disaster. And then uh, six months or a year would go by, and somebody would ask us to take on a five hundred thousand dollar project. 
uh, and we would say yes. And so, so you know, the $1,000 project was a total disaster. Yes, but we learned so much from it that after a while, now we can do $200,000 projects in our sleep. And we know the $500,000 is going to be a disaster. And we kept ratcheting that up, taking on the risk of things not going right. But in the process of that, we would learn on how to do it better the next time around, which gave us greater capacity. It's part of that taking on challenges. Extraordinarily difficult to do in the short term when you're facing something where it'd be easier to say, you know what, I'm just going to say no. I'm going right. to protect what I have. I'm going to harvest what I have, as opposed to sort of uh, taking on those risks. So that was probably one of the inflection points about uh, financially as an independent integrator that we I see and I understand why a lot of folks sell their businesses at a certain point. It becomes difficult to grow structurally processes and people to to the next level. Um, and I suppose the, the other one, which is sort of obvious and people say it's obvious now, but at the time 15 years ago is training, investing in training is yeah. people say, why would I want to train uh, my competitor's employee, essentially thinking right. I'm going to train somebody, they get certified, and then they're going to go to our, my competitors. And that's never been an issue for us. They go to our customers, but it's never been an issue for them going to our competitors. But investing in training makes us extraordinarily better. Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, speaking of challenges, um, which is funny because this is a question I always like to ask, is uh, in your opinion, what do you think is uh, our industry's biggest challenge that we're facing as of today? And uh, what is potentially our the Electronic Security Association's role in facing that challenge? Sure, and uh, Electronic Security Association is right in the middle of that challenge, which I just mentioned is training, uh, yeah. is creating a pipeline of talent, is identifying where are those resources of talent and what are the training programs that they can enroll in to get them uh, up to speed, different levels, uh, ongoing, uh, uh, education as well. And so I think ESA is in the middle of, of that. Uh, and I think that is our biggest challenge. Uh, well, there are other people talk about technology, but I think we can do just about anything we want and can envision with technology. It exists today. Uh, it's having um, the open mind to see how we can adopt that technology integrated into a customer's environment. So it's, I don't think it's a technical constraint. I think it's a, a people and training constraint. No, I agree with that. And one thing that I, I always think is kind of connected to that that training piece and and uh, creating that upward mobility for security professionals is also just bringing in more people to into the industry and realizing that uh, there is a viable career within the electronic security and life safety industry. Um, do you have any advice when it comes to that? Like, how how do we get um, more professionals involved? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's interesting. Uh, it's um, yes, and so our purpose is unlock prosperity for all the people we touch. Right. It includes providing a track for for people. Uh, there, are, there are people who have started off as technicians in organizations who are executives. Uh, there are. Uh, Every level has uh, a potential or a some sort of a track for them to follow. I believe quite a few integrators also have that. They have training and career progression paths. It's um, I think what might be difficult is is to get out of the way. Uh, you know, one of the things we try to do in Northland is you know the uh, the doing things uh, backward. 
A technician never actually fails. If a technician fails, the project, that's the project manager's fault. But the project manager, you know, it's the operator. It's always my fault when things don't go right. Mm -hmm. uh, right? Because we're supposed to provide the, the, the tools and the support for people to succeed. And so the advice I would have is how do we support people coming into the industry? How are we patient with them? And as they grow, how do we uh, how keep progressing? Uh, where they might just outshine us. No, that's, I think that's some great advice and, and some, that's something I actually haven't heard before yet. So I'm glad it was able to happen on this podcast with a unique perspective. <laughs> um, and then this is kind of the last question that I like to ask since we're kind of close to time. Uh, what would you say to other integrators out there who might be considering ESA membership but just haven't pulled the trigger? Oh, um, it's great. It's, it's part of one of, I hear all, most integrators talk about how people and um, recruiting and training is one of their biggest issues. And ESA can be a big part of helping create an environment platform foundation to do all of that, uh, you know, identify recruiting and training people. Yeah, a great organization. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you um, have been utilizing your membership for training and certifications and uh, that it's been worthwhile for your team over there. We're happy to hear that. Great. Great. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the Security Nation podcast, Pierre. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'd like to thank you listeners who tuned in today. Uh, make sure to subscribe. We're on all podcasting platforms and the video version is available on YouTube. And if you're curious about how ESA membership can power your business, please visit our website at esaweb.org. Take some time to schedule a discovery call with our membership team. You'll be happy you did. And also, we, we like to create opportunities where you can network with companies like Northland Controls and share best practices. Uh, we definitely like to foster a culture where not only, you know, we serve you with our, you know, our training programs and savings programs, but we're also creating an environment where you can connect with other professionals to better your business because who knows it better than another security pro. So thanks for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you, Anna.